2: You're listening to the Northtown Automotive Extra Point Show with Zach and Josh. Brought to you by Northtown Automotive. Whatever you're looking for, you'll find it at Northtown. Shop online at NorthtownAuto.com.
3: Good morning, everyone. Happy Monday. Zach Jones, Josh Schmidt filling in here on the Northtown Automotive Extra Point show and is brought to you by Northtown Automotive whatever you're looking for you'll find it at Northtown Shop online at northtownauto.com it is of course combine week we'll talk a lot about that as the week goes on testing begins on thursday Players arriving for the most part today and tomorrow as they get official measurements
4: in. There's someone that's not arriving. Well, oh, we're gonna get to that.
3: <laughs> I, I I was thinking about. It, I'm like, I'm like, how much time do I want to spend on a specific player? Essentially, just I mean, fully skipping the combine. I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't know, I don't know. You know, maybe jump in on it, maybe, maybe not. And as we're like a minute away from the show, and I'm like, I no, I want to talk about Marvin Harrison Jr. Just like actively, like just not. He doesn't have an agent, so he's doing a lot of what Lamar Jackson did. And looked at the combine and went, that's stupid. I hate Indianapolis. I'm not going.
4: Right. And And I love it. And also remember, it's not like he's operating just like solely on his own. His dad played in the NFL. Oh, absolutely. He's not flying solo here, like never had any NFL experience, not having anybody help him out here. Like he's got someone that's like, hey, I did all of these things. Here's what you should do, and here's what you don't really have to do. I think a lot of it though, too,
3: is especially because is, he's that good is him, and, and we' talked a lot about this on air, like a big thing for these guys when they go to the combine. Yes, it's the testing, yes, it's putting up measurements, but a lot of it is just sitting down in these quick meetings with teams mm-hmm. and them getting to know you, you getting to know them, and you put your best foot forward. that's a big part of it.
4: well that's the other thing because a lot of teams, well, a lot of players. Mm-hmm can ruin their draft stock if they have a bad interview. Oh, if they're atrocious at interviewing, like, yeah. Or if, well, maybe not ruin their draft stock, but if a, if a team that wants a Marvin Harrison Jr. Mm-hmm. or uh, Malik Neighbors has an interview with him and, and they're like, oh, well, that went really poorly. Yeah, it was What's just screaming red flags. Yeah. yeah, right. And I don't think, I mean, you never know. with Players are, all players mm-hmm. are different. Everyone's different. Like, yep. first impressions are great and bad at the same time. Because mm-hmm. if you're having a bad day you might not have a good first impression and that team's going to be like well yeah I'm not going to draft you and then that could you know mess up your trajectory and also their trajectory but
3: i i do find it fascinating that like he is just like deciding to skip it entirely and i think it I, i'm all for it i kind of like it i was joking with you like he knows there's like three teams that could take him and he knows how one of them could end up taking him if they don't trade justin fields right. chicago then would likely take marvin harrison junior at number 1 if New England gets weird and decides at 3 they're going to take him cuz they don't want to take a quarterback okay but i already think he's on zillow looking at apartments in arizona like i just <laughs> i fully believe he's going to the arizona cardinals cuz that just makes the most sense and so i think that's for him is like the only team i'm going to talk to is like chicago and arizona i'll do it at the pro day
4: yeah it's like i'm going to talk, i'm going to talk to the top 4 guys top 4 teams mm-hmm. and that's it like he's not falling past arizona and to be honest the only thing that we'd really find that we as as you know, radio hosts or fans or mm-hmm. whatever you want to say would find out about him being at the combine is, hey, Chicago didn't interview him. What's that all about? Or yeah. Washington didn't interview him. Are they gonna draft him? No, they're probably not. If they didn't interview him, they're probably not gonna draft him. Well, yeah, because like, then you
3: also you get those private workouts as well. And I yeah. I can't remember how many a team gets each year, but you know, you'll have those and and all that stuff. And, and like, so that's something the that Buffalo probably won't bring him in for a private workout. So, like, we're they not going to waste it. that on they, a guy that's not going to be there.
4: How, wait, how many how many times can they do private workouts? Is I it, don't know
3: how many a team gets per year, but, like, you'll only come in once. Right. Like, I, the player I, would only come in once. I
4: say going to say, the only thing you would probably do is just be like, wow, mm-hmm. that, that's what we need. That's, that's the kind of guy we need. Just to have, like, a baseline yeah. of, like, knowledge. Or just to be able to be like, hey, I saw Marvin Harrison Jr., at, at a pro day, as just as, hanging out, like if you're like Sean McDermott or Brandon Bean, and you just want to see these guys play. It's like, oh, that's cool. I hope we can get something like that.
3: Cool. <laughs> I do like that. Like, using him as the baseline of like, just like get anyone close to him, or yeah. we're golden.
4: Like, here's here's the bar, and here's the next closest guy. Let's take him.
3: But we'll, we'll we'll do much more combine talk as the show goes on, and and of course, do stay tuned to WGR's coverage of the NFL sc- scouting combine all week from Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. Our own Sal is in route, basically right now. To go to Indianapolis, start covering that, and that is brought to you by Awaken One Hundred and Eighty Weight Loss, fast, sustainable weight loss, then free support for life. Awaken One Hundred and Eighty Weight Loss dot com, and by Outlet Liquor, when you need to stock up, it's the place to buy a case. What's your outlet? Where we want to start today's show, though, and we kind of hinted at it last night, is the Buffalo Sabers. They win three games in a row, the first time all year. It's mid to late February, which I will ignore that for right now, but okay. But you know what? They're grinding out wins, and they got a win over a Carolina team that has
4: routinely owned you, and a win over the refs. Yeah, and that I don't want to be that guy. I, I, I was very that, surprised. I was livid seeing those play, penalty
5: calls. Last that was night. more
3: my thing. I was very surprised, Josh, in just how emotional I was invested into the game. Like I'm not like screaming or anything like that, but like emotionally, I was completely invested in the oh, game. I, I was screaming. Like Owen Power <laughs> scored to tie the game up at two two, and I like audibly like fist bombed, and I like I was like yes, like I, like the whole thing, and I'm like oh yeah. I'm paying attention, like oh, yeah. it, it it didn't yeah. hit me until he scored. Then I'm like I'm like he did it on his return. Let's go, this is
4: awesome. Right. Well, you know what it was was they the whole night. They they went down one nothing three minutes into the game. It was like oh great here we mm-hmm. go again. Oh yes. Yeah. There it is. It, it was the most saver start <laughs> ever. And, and and surprise, surprise, part of the reason why they got scored on was Eric Johnson. Look at that. Same thing over again. Same thing, different night.
3: Time's and, a flat circle.
4: And then, you know, the rest of the first period goes by. Nothing really happens. There's some physicality. Dylan Cousins lays out Michael Bunting again. Doesn't matter what team Michael Bunting is on. Cousins will hit him into the ground for no reason. Mm-hmm. And I love that about him. Yeah. It's great. Um, and then Skinner ties in. It's like, oh, that's fun. Skinner gets a goal against his former team. Tie game. Let's see what happens here. We're going into the third period. Let's, let's just see what happens and oh carolina takes the lead oh look at that they get two really easy penalties because like i said it looked like the refs wanted the sabers to lose Darlene somehow gets a interference penalty mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. i don't even know i think it was Martinook, runs into Darlene, knocks Darlene into the net which takes the net off and then martinuk falls on lukinin's leg and i was so scared i thought lukinin like i thought there was going to be an injury for sure it did not. I was look good. I was
3: worried about the UPL thing because obviously, like you're just kind of watching. You see him kind of fall down, and then everyone's booing. Yep. and I'm like, Yeah, did I miss something? Oh no,
4: yeah. And then you see the way Lukanen's leg goes to the yeah. ice, and it's like, mm-hmm. Ugh. like he can move his legs, but like it did not look very natural. Um, but that was the first thing for me. Where it was like, what is happening here? Like, how is that a penalty? Yeah. And then later on, you get another Darlene penalty where he gets it happens again. Where he gets pushed into Carolina's goaltender Spencer Martin, and then he gets called for goaltender interference. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what are we doing here? The same thing just happened on the other end of the ice, and you called it against Darlene, and now the same thing just happens here, and you call it against him again. Yeah, and and that was just in regulation. And then Sabres kill off both penalties. Awesome, great job. Actually, I think they got scored on on second one. I think they did get One scored. of them was, one of them yeah, had an, yeah, but it, yeah, Regardless, they did great. They were doing fine. Get scored on, and then it wasn't like, oh, there it is, we lost. It was, hey, we can still win this. We've been playing hard all night. Peyton Krebs, who's looked fantastic with Zach Benson and Casey Middlestad. I've really enjoyed it. Krebs looks that. like a completely different player. Yeah, I've, re- like, and, and I think that was where,
3: like, Owen Power scoring was awesome because, like, it's on his return. Mm-hmm. He's had a very up and down year and that's right. putting it kindly. So for him to get the game time yeah. goal, awesome. What I was more happy for, and we'll talk about another player that I just I, I want to see get on the score sheet just to kind of like almost prove that he is playing well. Mm-hmm. But Peyton Krebs to like get that reward, he's been yeah. so good. I I want to say even the last like five or six games of just like we were joking last week about like Peyton Krebs is your best offensive forward. What's happening here? This is not great. But he's and he's in reality, fantastic. he's looked really really good. Yeah. He looks comfortable. I heard Paul Hamilton talking today with Joe before we came on around 9 o'clock in the morning, where, like, that was apparently Granado's plan the entire time, was, like, get a foundation for him. And, like, they never thought he was, you know, a quote-unquote, because I know the Sabres don't have lines, so quote-unquote fourth-line guy. He was never that. But it is nice to see, because that was my fear, is just that, like, what was the point of getting Krebs? Because that's what we were talking about. What was the point of getting him if the whole idea was to put this scrappy, really, it seems a good playmaker, and stick him on the fourth line with Gergensen's and a and basically go, okay, um... I don't, I don't know. Go to the shadow realm, I guess. I don't know. Like that's where you're going.
4: (laughs) Well, I mean, Joe and Nate were talking about this morning, and it's like he had that scrappy mentality, and he kind of further embraced that when he was put into that situation of playing with like Poso and Gergensens and Joe. It's it's something I loved last year and Robinson, and and like that's fine. That's good that you kind of adapted to your role, but now that he's back with an offensive line with Middlestat and with Benson, it's hey, this kid. Can actually still play offense. He he wasn't just put on that line because he had no offense. Mm-hmm. He had offense there all along. He was just with the wrong set of guys in the wrong role. And it's not that it was wrong because, like I said, he he adapted to that role and he played well. He, he in flourished that. in that role for
3: a, for a good bit right. of time.
4: But but what the fun part is is that he showed that he can still be that guy of like, hey, I was a high octane offensive mm-hmm. prospect, and I can still be that, and I can still show that I have that ability. Which is what he's shown the past two weeks here, that he's been with Middlestat and Benson, and it was like, sometimes with was Paterka and Benson too, which I liked even more. And last night, like I said, he showed it on the game-tying goal. Goes in behind the net, uses his you know physicality to get the puck back off mm-hmm. a rebound. Mm-hmm. Waits it out, finds power. Power waits it out as well. The Sabres kind of figured out by the end of the game, and especially in the shootout, Spencer Martin's blocker side Stinks, and you know they exploited that. And you know, power scores that goal. I'll let you know right now. My reaction to that was just I, I wasn't at the game. I was at home, and I was playing some board games with friends. And I jumped up out of my chair mid round of my turn. Yeah, in a board game, that and was, just that screamed was, like I was like, "Oh my god, they did it!" That, like, was, that was the goal that made me
3: realize. I'm like, "Oh, I'm invested." Yeah, me. I didn't realize because like because w- when when Carolina did score on the power play, to me that just felt like. So typical Sabers. Yep, they're playing Carolina well. Very even game. I think ultimately uh, UPL and, and their goaltender Martin, like they had the same amount of saves the whole thing. Yeah, it was
4: thirty-two shots each.
3: Yeah, like it was a, such an even game. Love the way the Sabers were playing. And of course, you can't get this to overtime well, because but, that's where the teams like you know Tampa and Carolina and the Islanders. Like that's why they always seem to just be ahead of you. Mm-hmm. It's because they are just they they are dra- Toronto dragging games to overtime. Right. And then a minute and a half, two minutes later, power scores, and I'm like. Wait a second.
4: I'm back. Right. The reason I I was so into it was because of the fact of those missed calls and those bad calls. And it was just so frustrating. Yeah, because it was like, you know, like I'm not, like I don't like like to be the one that, oh, it's the rest fault. Because, like, your team is playing the game. They should Mm
2: -hmm. be able to Mm -hmm. overcome
4: that. But that game specifically, had the Sabres lost, there would have been a lot of question marks around those penalty calls. Oh, of course. Of Of course. And then even in overtime, when. Ukpeka Lukanen makes a great save on Aho, mm-hmm. goes to play the puck, and then Aho basically slew foots Lukanen as he's going around behind the net trying to get the puck back, and there's no call whatsoever. Yeah, nothing. And it's just like what, like what was that? Mm-hmm. That's awful. And and it, it, it's it would have gone the same way yes. if if it's Carolina. Uh, yeah, you know what I, I, mean? I agree. Like I agree. If, like if if we were at Carolina Station and that happened to the Hurricanes against the Sabers and they lost. Then it would have been like, oh, well, where where were the calls? Mm-hmm. What what happened there? You know, like, it, it's just it's the double standard that's just not there. Yeah, of I don't want to see makeup calls, but at the same time, I don't want to see bad calls. Mm-hmm. But like, that's the thing: if you see a bad call, you kind of hope a makeup call right.
3: is coming. Exactly. If you if you're on the end of it, but overall, they're on a three game win streak. They've got two road games at least this week that I know of. With is it Florida then Tampa or Tampa then Florida?
4: Florida then Tampa.
3: Florida, Florida then Tampa. Florida Tampa, tomorrow.
4: Tampa is the game that matters more because Florida. I mean, Florida, you should win or, or not should win. You want to win. Yep. But Florida is at the top of the conference. Mm-hmm. Like they, they're not within reach like they were last year. Yep. They are leaps and bounds ahead of you. But Tampa is the team that you can go and catch.
3: We also got Vegas on Saturday. Yeah, so, but, so, <laughs> so, so the next three games, you got two on the road, and then you get Vegas at home on Saturday. Which that your crowd will get up for that game. I would imagine your crowd gets up for that game. But like, and I tweeted this out last night, like not to kill the vibe, but like those are two tough games coming up. Mm-hmm. And my thing is now is, I go, I, I almost guess like as a fan too, it's like. How much do I really want them to go on this win streak? Of course I want them to go win. I, I'm, I, I'm done with the tanking. I think they have a good roster. I don't, really, I don't care for prospects anymore. We've all heard how I talk about them. I basically want them traded for current guys outside of like three. But even then, a part of me is sitting here going, can I really take another year where it was a poor start, and really a poor middle as well, that kept them out of the playoffs, but they have this late flourish where they do go and beat Florida, Tampa, Vegas. Let's say they do that. Let's say they go on now a six game win streak and they're somewhat, you know, picking and prodding away at the lead, but it's still far away because, you know, Detroit refuses to lose and Tampa is merchants when it comes to, you know, getting to overtime. You do also have five games with Detroit and Tampa. I think you have two of Tampa, three with Detroit yes. left this year.
4: But that's if you beat Detroit three times in regulation, Right now, you'd only half the points that you're behind Mm -hmm. them. You would get six points, you're behind them by 12. Mm -hmm. Like It's out of your hands at that point. You need to beat Detroit and then hope that they fall off, Mm -hmm. which is the tricky part. That's where the Sabres were last year. But Detroit doesn't have an easy schedule remaining either. They also have Vegas in there. They have Colorado. They have Carolina. They have Pittsburgh, who has had their moments this year. They have the Rangers. Like There's games in there where Detroit can lose and it also kind of looks like they're teetering. Like sure they're on a 5 game win streak right now. Three of those wins are in overtime.
3: Yeah, and I mean like look, like Sabers fans are not new to the whole overtime merchants and it kind of bites you in the butt right. when, you know, every analytic tells you you're actually not as good as you are. Yeah. But I mean like that's the thing though. Like, that's that's all these top teams, they just know how to drag games to get a point. Yep. And that's where my frustration has been with the Sabers because it was the same thing last year. Look at that eight game losing streak. If mm-hmm. you
4: just drag two, maybe three of those games one. to overtime, even just one, then you're tied with Florida and then it goes to a tiebreaker. I don't know what the tiebreaker would have been. But the, well, that's why I said like two, three games in there. Right, you right. drag
3: them to overtime, get a point. You maybe even get two because you, you, you win in an overtime or you win in a shootout like last night. Yep. It's a different season, but they are just, I mean, they only have four overtime losses this year. None of their games go to overtime, it seems like.
4: And the way I look at it always is overtime points are free points. If you you can't take a free point in a professional sporting event, that's not good. Like I'm not saying I want them to go and lose in overtime. No, no. But that's that's the
3: bare minimum when you get overtime. You're at least getting a point.
4: This might sound really stupid, but if you lose every single game in overtime or a shootout, you have an 82-point season. And you're in this... Scenario, I mean, this year's projected wild card race is around ninety-two, ninety-four points. Mm-hmm. You'd be ten points out of a playoff spot if you lost every single literally game every in game overtime, but, but you dragged it to which overtime. That's also brings up the the argument of why do we get points if we lose in overtime? That mm-hmm. that that's where I go to with that. But my my main overall point there is is you you should be taking total advantage of that. Yep. that should not be something that it's like oh well we lost in overtime. It, no, that's a good thing sometimes. Like it's not always bad. Mm-hmm.
3: Time now to get connected to our fans. Brought to you by Northtown Kia, Western Europe's number one Kia dealer. Shop online at northtownkia.com. Let's go now to Bill on the line. Bill, good morning. How are we doing today?
5: Good morning, guys. Uh, thanks for having me on. About a week ago, I was watching uh, the Boston Kings, and they were tied in overtime. The Kings tied it up late. They went to overtime. Boston drew a penalty, so now they're three on three in overtime, and there's about a minute left in in the in the penalty, and I'm and they got the face off in the in the end, and I'm thinking, why don't you pull the goalie? And go five on three. And mm-hmm. I thought, you know, you're gonna get your point anyway. Go for the win. Turns out they ended up losing right at the end of regulation. But the point was, I was talking to a few buddies, and I I said it. And one of the guys said to me, well, don't you know that you can't do that? It's risky. And I said, why? He said, "Well, if you pull your goalie in overtime and the other team scores on you, you don't even get one point. You get no points." Did you know that?
3: So wait, like so they're in overtime.
5: Yep. say Buffalo's coming down and they go, "Guys, ties don't buy us anything. We have to win in overtime." If you pull the goalie and the and the other team's the other team scores, into your empty net, you don't get a point. I, and I found that ridiculous because that's, I mean, it would be very exciting if a team knew going into the game, guys, we get to overtime. We're pulling the goalie. We can't settle for one. We're going for two. Or wait for the shootout if you think you're mm-hmm. really you to shoot. the shootout. But it's a rule that I just didn't know, and I, I thought I knew a lot about hockey, but obviously I don't. And I thought, why would they do that? Why would they take some of the fun out of pulling the goalie mm-hmm. and trying to win it outright?
3: We had to have a strategy there. Bill, thanks for the call. No, Bill, Josh, you're, you, you're, you had a, you, a surprised look on your face. Yeah, Did no, you find something
4: there? Bill, you're absolutely correct, or your friend's correct. If I, I'm not sure how this came up, but hey, I just looked it up. ESPN's got an article up there about you know overtime rules and things like that. The extra point for overtime was introduced, or overtime or a shootout, was introduced in 1999, six years before the elimination of the tie. There's one exception to the rule. If a team pulls its goalie for an extra attacker in overtime and loses on an empty net goal, they forfeit the extra point that comes from an overtime loss. I never knew that. That is so dumb. I, I, that is so... Because I'm with Bill. Why
3: are you taking some of the excitement right. out of potential in overtime? Yeah. I, I, because but, that's right. If all of a sudden now my opposing team takes a penalty, and what, now I'm going to be four on three? Right, it would be four The three. absolute strategy should be to pull your goalie to have five skaters Yep. And to just dominate possession in their zone, you've got a two-man advantage, and you should go for the win. Right. And not be told, hey, if you do that, and they do score, now you lose all the points you did actually gain from dragging this to overtime. Now, that is
4: absurd, and I hate hockey. If you want to get real fun with it, this I, is wonder, absurd. I wonder what the ramifications, or I wonder what the uh, stipulations are. So let's say, let's say the Sabres are on a power play in overtime, right? Mm-hmm. And they pull Lucan in, they put out your fastest skater. Let's say it's J.J. Paterka. You put him out as your extra attacker. And if you're Don Granado, you tell Paterka, hey, as soon as they touch the puck, if if the, if the we lose possession, you haul butt back to the bench. And if Lukanen is on the ice, does it count as your goaltender See, is and, not and, and that's the thing. Like
3: That's where it all of a sudden gets very right. up in the air. Because you're right. Like, like, does like, your goalie have then... to be
4: in the crease or does he just have to be on the ice? Because if, if I'm a smart NHL coach, in overtime, you're shooting on the end where your bench is. Mm-hmm. So you tell your guy, hey, stand at this point right here, right by the bench. If we lose possession, get back on the bench, our goalie's back out on the ice, nothing matters. We still get a point if we lose. That's, that's where I'd go with it. That, that is such an absurd
3: rule. Like, I, it, it is now eating away at me where I'm just like, why I want this to would happen. any commissioner, Gary, I get it, uh-huh. why yeah. would he do that? You took some of the excitement out of overtime right. for what feels like absolutely no reason. Yeah,
4: you could add even more excitement. But at the same time, though, I wonder because I'm I'm sitting here trying to think like does this take away the competitiveness? You know, like is there is there it kind of does though. Now, now there's no strategy no, idea no, no, no. there in the sense of pulling the goaltender. Does mm-hmm. it say hey, we're, like we don't care if we lose, we just we just want to win and maybe get that extra point. And if we lose, oh well. Like that could be a team. Like I was just saying, where hey, if you lose. All your games in the season in overtime, you get 82 points. That could be a team saying, "Hey, we just need a point here. Two would be great, but we just need one. So See, why don't we pull the goalie?" Yeah, no, it, I it could. Yeah. It could kind of like like bring out that whole ice tilt sort of thing. I look at it differently. Like for me,
3: it shows the gusto from a team to say. Screw it. Like, we already have a man advantage. Let's have two. Let's go for it. Yeah. maybe like, We've maybe got a could, chance here. Let's go do it.
4: Maybe you can make a, an addition to the rule of you can only pull your goaltender if you're on the man advantage. Or, like, if you pull your goaltender, this rule is null and void yeah. if there's a man advantage. Because then,
0: I, I mean, just, one, because like then also think so about much.
4: it. Like, it's not only do you get an advantage, your other the opposing team does, too, mm-hmm. on, on a power play. Because then they could just shoot at will. It doesn't matter. There's no icing. Yeah. So yeah. there's two advantages there. You could still have the other team be able to win. I just well, and that's and that's how I looked at it too. Like
3: even if there's a two man advantage, there's an empty net there. Right. Just play solid defense, get the puck, fire it down, and just hold
4: Right. Well, well, that's the thing is like I, I could see it kind of if there's no penalty. Like if there's no power play and you're just like you know what, there's 20 seconds left in overtime. Let's pull our goaltender on an offensive zone draw and let's try to score. And then oh, the other team scores on me. And, hey, there goes the extra point. That yeah. I can kind of get. But if it's a power play, both teams have an advantage. So, I don't know. That's a crazy rule, though. I I I'd hate it. it. I, no, but <laughs> I, I love, deeply hate it. I love that we are learning this
3: because I didn't even know that existed. That's How many coaches in the NHL do you think know that off the top of their Ooh. head? Less than 50%. Less than 50% yeah, know that definitively off the top of their head. And, and Every and assistant
4: other... does. At least one <laughs> assistant absolutely knows and, that and, rule.
3: And, no way more than 50% of the NHL coaches know it. And then the that ones rule.
4: that don't know it are just like, well, why would I pull my goalie in overtime? Like, there's no point.
3: Well, that's the thing. That's the thing. The other 50% are sitting there going, I would literally never do that. Is
4: this, could you imagine if we ever had a moment like we did in the Super Bowl where Kyle Shanahan goes, yeah, we didn't know about the overtime rules or, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we didn't know about the changes? Imagine it's the Stanley Cup. No, it wouldn't be the Stanley Cup. Imagine it's like the last day of the season and yeah. a team needs a point to get in the playoffs. But two would get them to a better seating or something. Yeah. And they pull the goalie and they lose. Oh, you mean an actual tight playoff race in the NHL? Right. Who, like, who, uh, the craziness. Listen. <laughs> listen. The West Coast is fun. That's true. That's but, that's very like, true. I, I don't know. I, I don't know, like, who this would be. Like, pick, pick a coach that's just kind of, like, smart but not smart. Like, right now, in the West, there's a tight-ish race. Mm-hmm. But... There's nothing that would really affect this, so I, I don't know. I, I'm just looking at the the. imagine if that happened. I deeply hate it. we got to take a quick timeout here. We'll take your calls after a quick
3: timeout. 803-0550 is the number if you want to join the show here. Talking a lot of Sabres as well, but also the NFL Combine, which kind of officially starts today. Testing starts later on in the week. Our own Sacapaccio is going to be in Indianapolis covering that all week, so do stay tuned for all kinds of coverage of that. But again, taking your calls, 803 550 When we come back, you're listening to the Northtown Automotive Extra Point Show right here on WGR.
0: Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Paterka couldn't
5: handle the pass, but Benson will take the puck. His shot off a stick. Here's Krebs
3: behind the goal. Peyton Krebs, he's going to walk out. Peyton Krebs, power score!
5: There's no power outage in Buffalo
3: now. This place is juiced. It's 2-2. Dan Dunleavy there on the call as Peyton Krebs set up Owen Power for the game's tying goal. The goal that ultimately got the game into overtime and eventually a shootout where Casey Middlestat, the only player to score in the entire shootout, wins it for the Sabres. They win three in a row. They take down the Carolina Hurricanes, a team they infamously Really have a tough time playing. Sebastian Ajo, one shot the entire game, no points. Very much handled him incredibly
4: well. He also missed the net in overtime, or in uh, he did. He did not score in the shootout. The shootout. I don't know if he missed the net. I think he hit the post, but still. Yeah, I mean, He'll ultimately, score. you know, you did oh, yeah. really well on him. Lukinin has figured out the shootout.
3: He's been is great. he is easily the biggest bright spot. And, and Casey Middles shootout king. I, I that's the thing is when he went up, I'm like, well, Casey's going to score. Right, like well, That was my also, exact thought It's also funny because
4: all game Everyone knew Don't shoot glove side on Spencer Martin He's good on his glove side Shoot blocker side That's where he's bad That's where we scored two goals Skinner scores goal on the rebound Off of his blocker yep. Power scores on his blocker side Middlestat scores the game winning goal On his blocker side It's take, take advantage, pay attention Student of the game right there Love it Let's go back to the phones We've got Danny on the
3: line Danny, good morning, how we doing?
6: I'm doing good, how you guys? Doing very well Doing good Awesome Happy Monday. Um, So I actually had a little bit more time to form my idea while I was driving. Don't worry, hands free. And um, (laughs) under the current situation, it actually reminds me a lot of the extra point in football. So, like, let's say there's a minute left in the game, team's down by two, they can kick a field goal, you know, and get the three points, force the team to drive down, get a field goal. Or they can go for the two points, Put the entire game on the line, but they're worried, you know, that they're going to lose in overtime. KC gets the ball, goes down the field, scores, blah blah blah.
5: Mm-hmm. And then
6: on, on top of it, think about like our shootout um, a few seasons ago. I think it was uh, Robin Regier was uh, was uh, like beatable 100 percent on the shootout. So every time we went to the shootout, we knew it was a virtual guaranteed loss. Well, in those situations, we get a five-on-three, you know, uh, and we do put the point in jeopardy. I think that that's in our favor. And uh, just to avoid going to the shootout, which is almost a guarantee loss. Now, that's not a this-year problem, but I can see how that comes into effect down the road.
3: Absolutely. Danny, thanks for the call. I like, I think that's my thing. It's like, I, I just, I, Josh, I don't know about you, I don't like the shootout in hockey. I, love, I don't either. I love
4: penalties in soccer, because that's probably the closest comparison. And penal- love penalties in soccer. Penalty shootouts, penal- penalty shots yes. in hockey are the same thing. Those are fun. Those are fun, because it's like, hey, that never really happens. Yeah. Like, let's see what let's see what happens here. But I hate the shootout. And, and like, you just brought up, like... Ukupak Lukinin was atrocious in the
3: shootout. Yeah, for every, his entire career every up until last night. Sabres
4: goaltender since Ryan Miller has been atrocious in the shootout.
3: So yeah, like Danny's right. Like there are going to be some teams that'll be like, we need to avoid the shootout at all costs. We will lose. Right. So let's just try to go win it now. Right. Because we're 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 ultimately going to just only have one point. And that's my issue with the rule that if you bowl your goalie, where all of a sudden now you're punishing teams for not going to said shootout. And we had a call he he uh, dropped off, but I loved his point of. That's where the NHL wants you to go, and right. I fully agree. Well, they but, think the shootout is like the excitement, like everyone's going to get jazzed up because they they watch Twitter, like they have people that are are watching other sports, going like, "Man, did you see during the World Cup, like everyone was losing their minds during well, the penalty, penalty shootout." Sh-
4: penalty shootouts in soccer are so much different mm-hmm. because they're you, almost guaranteed an automatic goal, and not, not guaranteed, well, not but even, like scoring is easier on penalties. Not even that. Well, I guess it's. That because when you do miss, it's this monumental. Oh my god, that never happens. Or this it's goal, a huge moment. It's or a goalie a huge makes moment. a save. Like like think of the last World Cup, France and Argentina. Yep. That I was glued to my television. It, it was I couldn't look away. It was because every kick mattered. I mean, I think it, it, I think Evan's
3: spot on on that point though. It's like in hockey, the saves are almost expected. The net is so small. The goalie pads right. are so big. I mean, there was four rounds yesterday. Yeah. We had eight players shoot.
4: One scored. Right. But then you look at earlier in the year, maybe it was this year. If if not, it was last year. The Sabres played the Capitals. Mm -hmm. Evgeny Kuznetsov does the same exact thing every single time, and no one can stop him. The
3: slow crawl
4: up to to the net. at like Mm -hmm. less than a mile per hour from center ice dot to the right side circle, in, skates up at the goalie, stick handling the whole way really fast, and then all of a sudden just, oh, he's going to shoot blocker side. You know where he's going to go. You know what he's going to do.
3: You know what he does, though, that him, frustrates me it. that no one else does? What's that?
4: Shoot the puck. Stop oh, yeah. trying to deke them out of the Power, net. Power did way too much on his attempt last night. I got real nervous when he missed there. I was. Like, just nervous. shoot the puck. Yeah. It. it,
3: it, it kills me where I'm like it's a skills competition and that's why I think a lot of these players get themselves just absolutely lost in the sauce of like I'm gonna just deke him and he's gonna go flying to the left the only
4: people and that, it's like no just sh- do what Casey did the only people that are allowed to do that are Pavel Datsuk and Alesh Kotalik because those two were kings at it yeah fine that's fine Pavel Datsuk was the just he he invented a move that got named after him where he p- takes the puck to one side and then one hand tucks it and he was so good at it Alesh Kotalik basically did the same thing but mm-hmm. it looked cooler yep no, nah, actually, no. It didn't. It didn't look cool. Datsuk did it. really <laughs> good. Kodalik, though, I just he was. I knew when the Sabers went to a shootout when I was a kid that if Kodalik was playing, the Sabers are going to win the shootout, no problem, because he was just the man. I love the confidence. He, and, but it. but and he, and he wasn't really great anywhere else. And that's the thing too. Like shootout goals in the NHL should count as goals. They don't. Like if, like middle stats goal The Game the
3: game kind of just ends like three two, and you're like. Ignore how that third goal happened, essentially. Right. Like, yeah. it Middle will end stats... up in no stat sheet outside of your your shootout stats. Right.
4: Exactly. Middle stat's goal does not count to his final goal total. Every other league in the world, it counts. Which yeah. is just... Yeah. I don't know. It's a little frustrating to me. A little frustrating. Uh, we were also looking for your calls, eight hundred three hundred five
3: fifty to talk more on the Sabres. Of course, they did win last night. They're on a three-game win streak. We're pretty close here to March, and that means we're very close to the NHL trade deadline to March 8th. Meaningful games in March? No. <laughs> <laughs> hey... You never know. They've got a big road trip here coming up in Florida with Florida tomorrow, and then Tampa Bay on Thursday, and then they come home and they play Vegas on Saturday. A big run here. Want to hear your thoughts? What do you want to see from the Sabers the rest of the way here? Do, I, I'm okay to hear people say they want to see them lose the rest of the way so the coaches get fired. I just want to know what people's thoughts are. You're a what now? Uh, if if that's <laughs> if that's what people want to happen, fine. I just I want to know where Sabres fans' heads are okay, at with the three game okay. win I streak. I thought you were like. No, oh, going for it? No. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> but for me, it's like, like I realized it last night when Owen powers went, and I was back in. Am I fully back in? Do I think this team's going to make the playoffs? Absolutely not. But emotionally, I was there and for a long two month run, I was pretty apathetic to the franchise. So, like, it kind of shows uh, maybe I'm, you know, easily tempted back into, into sports, which looking at my career choices kind of makes sense. I get it. But, I kind of want to know where people are at, or or at least how they're feeling with this season as a whole. Even if they go on this long run, because I think that's a thing for me as well. Of like, if you do go on this big win streak and miss the playoffs by two points, last year I was excited. I was jazzed up at at the like now like let's get to next season. They were right there. If they missed by the same amount after such a poor start, after such a poor middle, I don't know if I'm happy at all. I think I'm just mad at that point. Let's go back to the phones. We've got Elliot here on the line. Elliot, how are we doing this morning?
2: Hey, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Doing well, doing well. So I just wanted to talk about my frustration with the team. And it starts kind of with how the coaches, not Donnie, because I want to make it clear. I think Donnie Granato is a great hockey mind. I feel like the assistant coaches and ownership is more so the issue. I don't understand why at the end of last season, how we were performing against teams like Florida who went on to the Stanley Cup. I remember games, I think it was 3-2, where we looked almost as good of a team as they did at that point in the season. And they were playing amazing hockey to where we start off the year and the first 40 games are just a complete mess. And we're shifting lines and we're playing players all over the place. I feel like the, the ownership and the coaches don't hold these players to like an adult standard they're they're still thinking they're kids or something I don't know and I just feel like Kevin Adams needs to identify this team's identity more and go and get players that fit it more people talk about a guy like Zemgis Gergensen and say they want him off the team they want him gone we need three more Zemgis Gergensen so when we're in the playoffs we can grind it out and get Past the first round with this team and how weak it is, even if we make it the playoffs this year, we're going to get grinded out along the boards come playoff hockey, and we're not going to be able to do anything.
3: I get, yeah, Elliot, thanks for the call, man. I can I can kind of agree with that point too. Watching the playoffs last year after the Sabers missed, I know a lot of people. I mean, we we and you have talked about it. We're like, you know, what would they have done if they went up against Boston? Number one, they were an injured team, so I didn't think much, right. anyways. But watching even the year prior. When you know Tage it ascended, they were young teams. Like there was still some hope there. I was just staring at the screen. Maybe it was it was the Carolina series. Maybe Carolina and Boston from two years prior. I think it was. So this is the twenty one playoffs. Twenty one, twenty two. Yeah. And I'm just watching it, and I'm like, oh, we get run out of the building. Oh, <laughs> uh, like <laughs> yeah. and like, and I was just like, the, the speed of the game and just how many chances were coming and just, and and yeah, like how physical teams were and and I don't love when. Games are called differently because it's the playoffs compared to the regular season. I I hate that. I want them called the exact same because it makes no sense to me. But then even last year, I kind of had the same thought watching Boston and Florida. And I'm just like, I I, I don't want to say tougher, but it just felt like Florida could take more punishment and dish it out and keep playing their game. Like, that's how it fits to me. Florida is a high-flying, fast-scoring team. They're able to take, and this is last year in the playoffs. I'm not saying you know this year like that they're the same team, mm. but at least last year in the playoffs they were able to take more punishment and keep going, keep playing their game. Right. Where we've seen a number of times with the Sabres team when they are grinded to a halt, they just throw their hands up in the air and don't really know what to do. Mm-hmm. And you were right; it was Carolina, Boston. Okay, and then to Elliot's other point too, and and this is my biggest fear. I would actually say with the coaching staff, not the general managers. I do think this coaching staff and and, yeah, the assistants would go in there, but I think Renato as well does give this team too many outs that where when they play poorly, it was a nice message early of just make mistakes, like just learn how to play professional hockey, like just go out there and play It's a nice message at the start, and it's probably the correct one. Year two, three, four, it is now the wrong one, and it right. does feel like that is still the same message
4: and and the thing is at this point, the thing is too is you there's a way to send that type of message to. Your JJ Paterka's, your Zach Benson's, your Ryan Johnson, Jack Quinn, you know, whoever. Jack Quinn. Those guys, you can say, "Hey, you're still coming into this league. You're still learning how to be a professional hockey mm-hmm. player." But when you're sitting there saying that to Tage Thompson, Rasmus Dahlin, Alex Tucker, Dylan Jeff Cousins, Skinner, Cousins has got to be on that list now yeah. too. And yes, they are young, but this is Cousins' third year in the NHL. Yeah, like I get it. He came in at 18. That's a hard thing to do for most players, unless they're Connor McDavid.
3: But now he's been a professional hockey player for a number of years here.
4: Right. And and it it kind of starts with your foundation, like depending on how you came in into the league or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like if you look at if you look at Cousins, he came into the league during the Kruger era. Same with Thompson, kind of, but Thompson was up and down through Rochester, so that was mm-hmm. a little different. Mm-hmm. But you look at when these guys came in and then you look at Benson coming in here. And it's the start of the middle, start whatever of the Granado era. So it's two different platforms, two different foundations, two different teams, and two different styles of coaching. Yes. With Kruger, it was, well, I don't even know what it was. No, no one really knows what Kruger's style of coaching was. It was just kind of a mishmash of whatever could work, and it didn't work. So that's where you can look at. You know, Cousins doesn't have a great foundation. Cousins doesn't have whatever you know great expectation coming into this league of like hey this is how i started out this was my rookie year but then it's okay the past is the past you have a coach that looks like he like you said is a good hockey mind Mm -hmm. just i know it's hard but throw all that other stuff away that season's done that's in the past yeah it sucked but it's gone forget about it go play your game of hockey
0: Especially, especially with Dylan
4: Cousins, he's a physical. He's a physical shooter. Yeah, like that's great to have. Power forwards are a dying thing in the NHL, and Cousins is one of them. Cousins or has the
3: ability to be one of them.
4: Right, exactly. He's not there yet, but he can be. And that's the frustrating part with him is if he had a better foundation, if he was coming in this season, I think he'd be a completely different player.
3: It's just it's frustrating because you you can see where it's just like the message needed to change, where it was now like and i think that's why they've handled the pressure poorly is because they've been told everything will be fine. No one's going to lose their jobs, no one's going to get traded, everyone's going to stay here. We're all going to sing kumbaya. And and i think that has really hampered the development of this team and now you're seeing it be different because the fans have shown how disappointed they are and how pissed they are. You know, with the fire donny chants from earlier in the month or, or earlier in the season and all that that it has now kind of showed them cool we just won't show up we won't care so great that you'll all be here and have seven year contracts or whatever we just won't be here and you guys will all not be making the playoffs regularly and it's just going to be a disappointing team like good for you round of applause for everybody i just i i worry now that this three game win streak is too late too little too late and even if they go on let's let's say they beat florida and tampa and it's five game win streak going into saturday at home against las vegas it'll still feel like you went on a run too late. Your season started so poorly because of mismanagement, because of a coach who decided you're gonna lean in defensively and kill your offensive game to the point now where Tage Thompson looks healthy. He looks back and he can't score. You know, Dylan Cousins is snake bitten again. And it's 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 just it's so, so frustrating. Got to take a quick time out here. Still looking for your calls. 803-0550 if you want to join the show. We do have a bit of an update on the Marvin Harrison Jr. situation in Indianapolis. We'll touch on that when we come back after a quick timeout. You're listening to the Northtown Automotive Extra Point Show. Zach Jones, Josh Schmidt filling in here today, and you're listening to WGR. Happy Monday, everyone. Zach Jones, Josh Schmidt hanging out with you here on the Northtown Automotive Extra Point Show. It's brought to you by Northtown Automotive. Whatever you're looking for, you'll find it at Northtown. Shop online at northtownauto.com. And some news from Indianapolis. It was somewhat reported today that Marvin Harrison, it was this morning, that Marvin Harrison Jr. was not going to, well, he wasn't testing in Indianapolis, which not too stunned by that. But then there was kind of this feeling that he was like just not being in Indianapolis at all. That is now taken back. Albert Beer is, I guess, walking it back a little bit. Because he just tweeted out about a piece that he... I I, I don't know what happened, but he really botched this pretty badly. Marvin Harrison is in Indianapolis. He is meeting with teams. He's not testing. I'm just... I'm going to read his initial tweet. Like, this is what bothers me. Ohio State Supernova Marvin Harrison Jr. isn't just skipping drills in Indianapolis. He's not at a combine training facility at all. Instead, staying at OSU and building towards his rookie season. I now know what he means by that. He's not training for the combine. Right. He's
4: training... At Ohio State, just in the offseason. But, like, dude, you can't put it like that. Right. Because everyone else will run with
3: that and say, so he's not testing at the combine? And he's not at the combine. That's what everyone hears with that. Instead, now he's kind of walked it back because he's now mad people didn't just click on the article, which, like, dude, well, yeah, like, welcome to the modern day. It's the headline. He's at he's at Indianapolis. He is not testing, but he is going to interview with teams and eventually be taken by the Arizona Cardinals at number four overall. We can just put that in ink. I feel like at this point. Also, some other news from this morning, or really it was last night. We all woke up to it this morning. Peter King is retiring after 44 years of covering the NFL. Truly, one of the goats of just really NFL talk, NFL written, you know, columns and and such. King has been one of the staples of my life, my entire life at this point. And it's going to it's gonna be sad to see him go. It's going to be very weird to not read his Monday morning columns
4: because they've just always been there. Mm-hmm. Like, you just know they're coming. Yeah. Was this, was this like, planned, or did he just kind of do this out of nowhere? I, I, everyone I, seemed pretty, like,
3: whoa. A little bit surprised, but I, I read a little bit of it, and he mentioned that he really started thinking about it when he asked last year Andy Reid if he was thinking about retiring, and mm. Andy kind of jokingly was like, are you? <laughs> and Peter was like, I didn't, you know, say anything, but like in my head, I was like, yeah, I kind of have thought about it. <laughs> and so, you know, good for him. Forty-four years, absolutely phenomenal run, and he will be dearly missed. But man, in this off season, for in terms of football, we have lost some of like the main characters for a lot of years for a lot of us. Bill Belichick will not be coaching in the NFL this year. Whether you like him or hate him, he's been a staple. Nick Saban, kind of the same thing, staple in college football, and unlike. Bill Belichick was still incredibly dominant in the sport. Mm. Pete Carroll gone as well. He's been somebody that, if you watch college or NFL football, and if you watch both, Carroll's been a huge part of that. And then, of course, Peter King, and I'm probably missing someone else as well. We are going to take a quick timeout here. Looking for your calls as well, 803-0550. You want to talk Combine. You want to talk the Sabres, who are now on a three-game win streak for the first time all year absolutely unbelievable but they do have a really tough road trip coming up starting tomorrow in florida we'd love to hear your thoughts on the rest of the season especially with the trade deadline coming up in the beginning of march with march 8th we'll be right back
4: you know you don't you don't think about it or try to think about it but you know when we're chasing a playoff spot we know that we have to get those so it's, it's a good feeling
5: to me a good feeling for the team
3: We'll
4: Ovechkin and Sabres
3: goaltender after yesterday's game, and he continues to be a major shining light for this Sabres team. He's well over 900 save percentage, well under three goals against, and it's it's just it's been a lot of fun to see his progression. And now, <laughs> kind of yesterday felt like the culmination where he I mean he was lights out in the, sh- in the shootout, lights out, four oh, yeah. for four in terms of saves, absolutely great for him. Zach Jones, Josh Schmidt, hanging out here for the next hour. You're listening to the Northtown Automotive Extra Point Show and it's brought to you by Northtown Automotive. Whatever you're looking for, you'll find it at Northtown Shop Online at northtownauto.com Josh, you had a fun tweet that you were seeing during the break that you want to bring up here. Yeah.
4: And it's going to give me no blind hope, but I think oh, it might give you a little bit of hope. It's giving me blind hope. You remember how I said my optimism was kind of shifting all towards Bills drafting a wide receiver? 100%. Well, yep. it's feeling more and more like the Bills are going to draft a wide receiver. I just... Putting it into existence, it's gonna happen. Okay. It's gonna happen. So my optimism is shifting back to the Sabres a little bit. Because they're on a three game winning streak, and this tweet kind of reignited the fire. So Joe put out his one of his polls earlier about, you know, how aggressive do you want the Sabres to get if they, you know, make a push for the playoffs here with the the points and everything like that, and, and the trade deadline only being uh like a week and a half away.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Jonathan tweeted in. The last time the Sabres made the playoffs in 2010-2011, they didn't get a three-game win streak until February. They got got hot in March and April. How many points back were we then? I can't find out how many points back they were at this point that season, but I wanted to fact check this. Everything about what he said is true. The Sabres in 2010-2011 played bad in the first month. They Mm -hmm. had two separate five-game losing streaks, one of which was six games into the season. They won their first game, and then they lost the next five. Okay. And then they won another one, and then they lost the next one. And they won and lost, and won and lost. It was just like this season. Fun. In February, on February 12th. Okay. Hang on. Where'd it go? Yeah. Got to make no, sure. February 10th. They okay. got their third win in a row over the Florida Panthers, a 3 2 win in overtime. Okay. A little bit of a parallel there. That kind of got me excited a little mm-hmm, bit. Mm hmm. And like I said, I couldn't find how many points back they were at that point. But then for the rest of the season, it was kind of the same, but they would get three wins here, two wins there. Okay. A lot Only a loss here, a loss there. And they ended the season on a four-game winning streak. They made the playoffs comfortably, too. They made it with 96 points. The Rangers were the last team at 93. Okay. And this was before they do the divisions now where it's the top three from each division and then the next two best teams. So this mm. was a little different back then, but it really wouldn't have mattered because the next best Atlantic team was 85, and the next best Metro team, like I said, was 93. They got the last spot. That was the Rangers. So the, obviously this is the year the Sabres lose to the Flyers in the first round. The Flyers that year had 106 points in second place in the, in the conference, which is crazy. Yeah, wow. Mm. But looking at this and then looking at the team they had as well, you had Thomas Vanek as your leading point scorer with 73 points, Drew Stafford next up with 52, and then Jason Pominville as well with 52. Okay. It's kind of similar to looking at the Sabres this year and looking at the point totals they're kind of projected to finish and things like that, with, you know, Casey Middlestat leading the way as your leading point scorer. Mm-hmm. Your top scorers aren't really scoring. I mean, sure, Vanek at that time was kind of your top scorer since Breer and Drury left, and he was scoring, but you didn't really have anybody else. In this sense, you don't really have Tage Thompson scoring, and you still don't really have anybody else. I think that's the thing is like, I, and that's where my big fear is coming is like, and, and I, I listened to our own Paul Hamilton
3: today with with uh, Joe in the nine o'clock hour, and that, that was kind of my, that, I was waiting for Paul to say because like this this is how hmm. I was thinking. I was just like, no one's scoring. There's not like a guy taking over. There's and Paul said he goes, they're still not really scoring. They're they're grinding out goals. They're right. getting dirty goals. I mean, like they had a power play goal last night, which is like a shooting star at this point. But like I was frustrated in the beginning of the game, Josh. Tate Thompson, it was not a it was not a breakaway, but like he he's coming off the right side of the ice. It was the first period. He gets cross-ice pass. He's taking it and the defenders on his left side and he's just coming up and it just the shot just had no gusto to it. It was low. It didn't really have any kind of threat and it's just like it feels like that's how Tage Thompson's season is gone. It's like even mm-hmm. though you're seeing the handles are back, he's becoming more of a threat again. It just doesn't seem like that power's there. It just doesn't seem like last year it felt like if he had any sort of open patch of ice when he was shooting, hell on earth was rising for that goaltender. <laughs> like right. they
4: were in a rough spot. When he when Tage got that puck in overtime, that, that was another I, thing I too. I was like, man, that's a goal. Like, he's, there's he's no way that's right a Right in front of
3: the net. There's really no defender immediately around him. He's able to make a move or two, and it's just a, it's a dud. It's a dud. Yeah. You know, the same with Alex Tuck. I think also in the first period, he's coming up the same side. It's another cross ice pass, and he just loses the puck entirely, doing almost nothing. It looks like. Yeah. And like that's where like, Paul brought up a lot last week, and I, and I totally agree. It's just like you need those guys to show up. You need your big dogs to become those guys to will this team to game to to wins, especially when you're getting such goal, a good goaltending. Right, you've got to be able to do that, and that's where it's just like I'm, I'm thrilled with last night's win. I'm thrilled that they finally have put together three good games in a row and they've won them. Mm-hmm. But like that's where I'm just like, can they go on this run here? Because it's not like UPL's got like a, a, a save percentage of like 940, and he's like. Under two goals against, and it's like, no, no, guys, like you have to try to lose. Like, it, like he's willing you to games. He's playing incredible. Yep. But it's not that good where it's like truly disturbing stuff. And they're just not—they're not scoring. Still, they're still having a tough time with that. And like that's where if they do do anything at the trade deadline, like I know it's—it's it's a full rumor. I don't think it's anything at all. But the Brady Kachuk thing—he's from Ottawa. I, I don't really think that that's going to be a trade at all.
4: Interdivision trades,
3: especially because like that. of that. Exactly. Yeah. But that would at least get me excited, the idea of like maybe shake up the top line and go, no, we're going to get a guy who's got 25 goals this year. His numbers overall are down, but he's got 25 goals. You throw him right up there. He's not his brother, but he's still a big forward. He's still mm-hmm. fast. He still gets it done. He'd, I think he'd work beautifully with uh, Thompson and Tuck. And, of course, in this you would you would trade Skinner in that deal. I get it. but Probably, yeah.
4: You'd, but, you'd have to give him something big.
3: I could not see Ottawa taking that deal. But in terms of like if they do make any moves, for me – it's got to be somebody that helps you now and in the next year. It's not for a rental, but like, it, and again, like that's just where I, like for me with the Sabers, as much as like this is going to be fun, if it's still just them grinding out goals and do and, and just in and scraping wins, that'll be fun because you you got that little like you know the the gritty feeling that like you know fans end up loving and I and I get it. I'm one of those two cardiac kids. The cardiac kids. But what made them feel so dangerous last year, and what made it feel like they were they were entering a period where oh man, like they might be one of the powers of the East, Mm -hmm. was because they had guys putting up ninety point seasons. They had guys like Dylan Cousins making it look like he was going to be a perennial thirty plus goal scorer. Tuck really took a step forward. Skinner was Skinner. You know, your kid line looked amazing, and you thought all those three were all going to come up together. Like that has been easily my my most disappointing part of this season is that for all the a, two of them or well, the three I'm, of them I should say the three of them plus cousins yeah and in part it's because just this team went from being so fun to watch last year and they lost games like they went on losing streaks don't oh, yeah. get me wrong and they still missed the playoffs
2: mm-hmm.
3: but it just it gave me a level of hope we have not seen in a long time and it gave me hope not just for last year but going into years forward that just they had figured it out i talked a lot about it last year about just how much i had appreciated Kevin Adams actually seemingly caring about drafting and realizing that like that is how you, for the most part, build your teams. And then you trade a few pieces to get clear-cut guys now. But you look at the team and it's just, I don't know what happened. I don't know what discussions were going on about them needing to change everything. But the fact that it took around 50 games in for them to become what they did or, or what they were. Is frustrating beyond belief, and that's where, like, even if they go on this win streak, and I, was, and I brought it up in the first hour, even if they go on this win streak, and it's amazing, and we're all having a blast, let the, for argument's sake, let's say they win the next ten. Just for argument's sake, <laughs> they win the next ten. Wait,
4: as you're saying, the next seven games or the next ten, they're on a thirteen-game win streak. Ten-game
3: win streak. Okay, I was gonna yeah. say thirteen. Not, not, th- not thirteen. Not 13, 13. thirteen. I would be. They win the next seven. They're on a <laughs> ten-game win streak. Yeah. Aren't we all just more frustrated that they they waited till the end of the season essentially to do this? Right. Aren't yeah. we all kind of sitting here going, "Where was this in the first few months of the season when you guys were healthy outside of like Jack Quinn when you had the entire fan base backing you?" I mean, that's where I get incredibly frustrated is I sit there, you remember when the season began, the Bills were what? 6 and 5, 6 and 6 somewhere. And around that there, season yeah. was looking like it was going to be lost real fast. Yep. And you looked at the Sabers and went, and honestly went, at least we got the Sabers, right? I remember tweeting that a mm-hmm. few
4: times after the Bills lost
3: because we were was, honestly sitting there and going, yeah, oh, oh,
4: oh, hey, I'm excited for you guys. Let's let's see what happens. Yeah, and then the Sabers come out and they lose five to four to one, five to one on opening night. Yep, to in a very bad, frustrating they're, loss.
3: They're October. They are four and five. They are three and three at home. Yeah. They start the season off a 5-1 loss to the Rangers. They then lose 3-2 to the Islanders. They get a win over Tampa Bay. Then they fun. lose Then they lose to Calgary. And that begins what ultimately is
4: a season of just lose one, win one, lose one, win one, lose right. one. And it's just and but, it kept going. But like I said before, that 2010-2011 yeah. season was the exact same way, but it wasn't like you had the expectations. I mean, I I, I shouldn't say that because I don't remember that, if there were expectations like there were this year. But I don't think there were because lat. Last year mm-hmm. was so much different than you have had in the past ten years, whereas back in twenty ten twenty eleven you look at the ten years before that and it was, well, hey, we were competing for Stanley Cups for a while, and now we're like, okay, minor rebuild time let's let's figure it out so it's 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 a different landscape, but in the same way it's not mm-hmm. because you were going through a transitional period this year's kind of a transitional period of all right, your young guys are getting older, and you're bringing in some of your more p- predominant prospects mm-hmm. to mold in with. The guys that were your prospects. Yeah. And it's it's kind of this, like, coming-of-age team where it's, hey, you're you're an NHL veteran now. Go out there and play like it. And, and it's figuring it you're it talking
3: out. about in the first hour of, like, why are you still treating them all like this is their second game in the NHL? Right. Exactly. Like, and it's okay to threaten a guy's job in professional sports. And, and I'm not saying outright threaten, but, like, no. make him feel like, man, I got a performer. I'm not going to be in Buffalo when this team gets good. Uga Pekulukunen. He
4: is the perfect case study for
3: this. We'll never know what those conversations were. No. But in my what? head, the fact that they just kind of anointed Levi in the offseason mm-hmm. is like, going to be the guy, we're going to play him till his legs fall off the whole thing. It. I don't care if it comes out years later that that's not what happened. It is my headcanon now. UPL... Ran with that and yep. is now looking like the Sabers are going to have a dominant one-two at goaltender because Levi, now that he is playing in Rochester and learning professional hockey, looks fantastic. Looks unbelievable in Rochester. Yeah,
4: right? Looks unbelievable. He's keeping them in games. Rochester has had their issues this year. Levi is keeping them in games single-handedly. Yeah, and that's fantastic. That's what he should have been doing all year. And I know I was very excited for Levi. I thought he could make it at the NHL level. He played great in the seven games they needed to needed to have him play last year, and. I, like a lot of people, were very excited. Like, it was an exciting time. You had a, the best goaltender since Ryan Miller. and Arguably. And, I mean, Arguably, you know. oh, yeah. There, sure, there's been moments from other guys. But it, it looked like you had, hey, this young kid's going to go on a run, and we're going to go on the playoffs, and we're going to do something here. And then it, you built on that in the offseason of, like, well, we don't really need a goalie because we have Devin Levi, and we'll figure the rest out later. Lukanen, yeah, you might be a waiver claim. You might be sent down to Rochester. And then all of a sudden, you come into this season, Levi doesn't look great, and Lukanen pops in out of nowhere when you're like, well, I guess we have to go to him. And it's like, yeah, no problem. I got it. Let's, I'm not, go, let's go for it. And that's yeah. that's the thing that's, that's like I said, if you look at Lukanen, you can look at him as the perfect case study of, hey, play for your job, and you'll earn it. Exactly. Like, play for your job, and you'll earn it. And, and like... I also wonder if we
3: all were jumping on the Levi bandwagon. Yes, those seven games were great. Mm-hmm. And yes, we were all excited at the prospect. But we were also all kind of told, pretty much from the word go of the offseason, Levi's the guy. Yeah. They're not going to add a goaltender. They're right. not going to trade for one. I mean, I, it became a running joke that whenever Paul Hamilton came out with the afternoon guys, that it was just like, they're not adding a goaltender. They're not going to do it. <laughs> right? And look, so that's, like, did we all kind of just get to a point? Yes, we're excited. But did we all kind of just accept it was going to happen? Mm-hmm. And, like, that's where some of the hype was. It's just like, it's going to be Levi. Like, it better work. And we got to a point that, like, I don't think many of us really ever thought that UPL was going to have this kind of season. Right. And yet, here we are. Uh, Do you want to get connected to our fans here real quick? That's brought to you by Northtown Kia, Western New York's number 1 Kia dealer. Shop online at NorthtownKia.com. Todd tweets in and he's talking here on the offense that's what i can't figure out how is thompson and to a lesser extent talk not scoring i was so frustrated last night with thompson not scoring still the funniest game i've watched still the funnest game i've watched all year i do agree on that i had a blast watching that game it, oh, was, yeah. a, it was a great overall game yeah they've won nine to four that was a that was a ball loved that <laughs> but in terms of who the opponent was the circumstances you're you know you're at home You've won two in a row. There's always kind of this fun little joke of like, can they win three in a row? Is is today (laughs) the day? And they finally do it. And it was just, that was nice to see it finally happen. But yeah, man, like just where is the scoring? I don't think this is the team. In, in in the sense of like th- this is who they
4: actually are. No, I don't think no. so. Well, that's the thing. People have been throwing around like, "Oh, was last year a fluke?" Is Tage Thompson going to be an elite scorer? This is the fluke. This season is the fluke. That last night showed that, and I know Thompson didn't. Score. I would say even the last few games have showed
3: it.
2: Well, yeah,
4: like he's not getting on the score sheet, but he looks back.
3: Like he, it looks like he's been dealing with an injury.
4: And that was the big thing last year too. Was there were there were points last season, especially from January on, where Tage was invisible but the team was still winning yep and that's the important part here. that's where like i want this is where i want to go next because throughout this whole season it's been this looming thing of what are the sabers going to do with casey middlestat and if anyone says anything but sign him unless it's a screamer of a deal for a trade it, it, it's the wrong answer you have to sign casey middlestat because he has developed the way you wanted him to develop he's mm-hmm. developed into what you want it just took him a little longer because you tried to rush him at first, and that's not the fault of this GM and this coach. Yeah, it was not it this.
3: Was, it was not this core.
4: Right. It was the Phil Housley era and Botterill. I think so. Botterill. Yeah, that was when it was. Yeah. Botterill Murray like kind of switched off somewhere in there. I there were too many of them. I can't keep them all straight anymore. Um, <laughs> but but that's where I'm at with Casey Middlestat because had you not rushed him, had he played in the AHL for the right amount of time and whatever, and like let's say. Two years ago was his first year in the NHL. Or last year was his first... No, it wouldn't have been last year. Two years ago. Two, three years ago, yeah. Two years ago was his first year in the NHL, or first real year in the NHL, first full season. If this is what you're getting out of him right now, after what would be three years in the NHL, this is exactly what you're asking for. Yep. This is what you're looking for. This is great. But because he's been here since he's 18... It looks like he's almost like a failed prospect. And it's well, like, oh, okay, yeah, let's, he's been here since like, eight, he's yeah, 18. 18 like, All right, he's 24 is this, now. Is this just a good year and he's going to go back? He's going to regress to the mean next year? Mm-hmm. I don't think so because he looks completely different. Again, playing for your job to a lesser extent, but it's still the same idea of Lukanen where Middlestat comes in and he's this golden boy of, oh my God, he's going to be great. And then he's nothing. And then you bring in Tage Thompson and he's fantastic. And oh, look, Dylan Cousins is pretty good too. Oh, yeah, Casey middlestat yeah, he's just he's just kind of there. And then all of a sudden, he's your guy. He's yeah. leading your team in points.
3: And he has been and you're, basically he's all He's one of year. your bright
4: spots. He's got 44 points in 58 games, 13 goals, 31 assists. I know the contract might be kind of expensive, and you don't want to give another guy a seven-year, $7 million deal.
3: What the thing? But, I'm, I'm not giving Casey middlestat that.
4: But you also can't give him the Reinhardt treatment of, hey, we're going to no. sign you to a three-year, $5 million deal, and then we're going to price ourselves out of you in... Your first year of UFA. Because mm-hmm. Middlestad's an RFA this year, and he's an RFA next year if you sign him to a one-year yeah. deal. So, if anything, sign him to a one-year contract. This is probably not something he wants. But if you're the organization, mm-hmm. sign him to a one-year deal as a prove-it me prove it contract mm-hmm. and see what happens next year. If he continues it, give him the big payout or yeah. big-ish payout. Because you can't keep giving everybody $7 million yeah. deals.
3: I think that's my thing. Those, like I've kind of come to this just a- Casey Middlestad's going to be on this roster. I think he is going to sign a long-term deal. Unless you get a great trade, like yes. you said. But, so speaking on the trades, then, like even for this year and next year, you do need help on the blue line. You need help defensively. You've got to get rid of some of these prospects, man. Like I'm going to be hammering that point until we pass the deadline, and then I'm likely going to be hammering the point that they didn't do anything, and I'm upset because there's just, where where is the room? Right, And even then, with some of these guys you have now, I still feel like we maybe should talk about trading some of the guys they have now. Like Skinner, I love Skinner. I would look all offseason for anyone that wants to take on the, the rest of that contract. That
4: contract's getting tougher and tougher as you're getting closer to Tuck needs an extension. Yep. Quinn and Paterka need The idea of not having Quinn deals. on
3: that top line next year because yep. of Jeff Skinner's there, and I, lo- and I love Skinner. And like, that's where I don't want this to come off as bad. But the idea of not having him on that top line with how good he has been mm-hmm. when he is on the ice and his injuries are not like oh man he's he's picking up injuries this is bad they're fluky he takes yep. a big hit and his leg bends weird yeah we don't know how the achilles happened but he clearly came back from that just fine and really the big thing here as well we know this injury doesn't have to do with the achilles yeah or yeah. Is, or his acl so that's phenomenal so, but like the idea then of holding him back because we have to keep this same core exactly there. Quinn looks like a guy that might be an eighty-five point guy if he plays an yeah. entire eighty-two game season or 78-82, Because I think I think Thompson's topped out at seventy-eight most of his career. Both, he looks like a guy seasons. who is going yeah. to yeah. He but he looks like a guy who's going to be just like one of your your, your future guys. Yeah, that just you lean on heavily. Paterka kind of looks like the same thing. But if because you've kept Skinner here, who's not going to be here anymore when you are even great, let alone good at this point, that's frustrating. When you have prospects like Matthew Savoy, where you're sitting there going, "Where does he fit?" Yeah, and and that's just where I've I've got to see something from this group for me to even get excited for next year. Because this off season and now leading into this year, look, and I said it yesterday, I got excited, I was pumped. When power scored, but I I am on a knife's edge with this team. It feels like every day,
4: like I'm excited today, but you can already hear to my voice just that the just cautiousness. Like, yeah, Ca- yeah, caution. And I'm I'm kind of with you on. I'm getting there on Skinner, but I'm more so, like yes, maybe maybe look around for trades. Maybe why not? But I would more so find out where else he works in your lineup. Use this year and even the beginning of next season. Find out where he works. See if he works with Middlestat. See mm-hmm. if he works with Middlestat and Paterka, mm-hmm. Benson and Paterka, Benson and Krebs. Some something like that because Krebs has looked great when you put him with Benson, Paterka, and Middlestat. You mean, people that can actually play oh, offense. Exactly. <laughs> and, and now I don't want to see you know the the Ralph Kruger treatment of oh well Skinner's going to go down the lineup because he needs to learn how to be a team player or something yeah. like that. But I want to see where else Quinn can work and if Quinn coming back away from Cousins and Paterka is still detrimental to them because that's the thing. When Quinn came back and was put with Paterka and Cousins, Cousins looked like Dylan Cousins.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And Paterka
4: kept going. And that's the other thing that's exciting about this end of the season here where you can kind of get close. Quinn can come back and play in the last month or so of this yep. season, which is And and you'll still
3: be able to see him and and how he's looking, which, I mean, again, up to this point, and, like, I'm going to remember this now until he plays another game. 17 games played, 12 points. I mean, like, he came in and just a light-in-the-dark kind of deal. I I mean he had
4: two points in his first two games. And he looked good right away, like
3: you brought up. Like, he immediately made Cousins look like Dylan Cousins again. And, uh, look, that's where there's also this frustration of, man, like, maybe they never go on this scoring issue because Quinn's there, you know, day one, he doesn't hurt his, it doesn't hurt his Achilles. He's there day one and the second line keeps going and we're fine. Maybe. I don't know. But just I think this, it's just I'm so frustrated with this team cuz I want them to do well. I liked this group so much last year and it did just feel like they kind of I don't want to say ruined it, but really just hurt any kind of fanfare people were feeling with this team. Do got to take a quick timeout here. We'll look for your calls, 803-0550, if you want to join in on the conversation. Zach Jones, Josh Schmidt, hanging out with you here on the Northtown Automotive Extra Point Show. And we'll be right back after a quick timeout. This is WGR.
5: Thought he was great. You know, He played 20-plus minutes, scored a goal, but he, he was really good all the way through. And you know, you, you Sometimes when a guy's out, you, know, you don't see him and, and you miss him. And, and I can tell you on the bench, you know, there were lots of moments today where, like, who is is it nice to have him in the lineup?
3: Savers head coach Don Granado there on Owen Power, who missed the last few weeks due to an injury. And then, first game back, scores the game tying goal. Great feed from Krebs, who's been also very, very good the last few games and really is finally getting rewarded for he's been one of their better offensive forwards the last few games. And to finally get rewarded, love to see that. And then Owen Power as well, having an up-and-down season to get a goal. You saw how much it meant to him. Love, love, love to see that, especially the young team. I want them to get confident. I just, man, I am having a weird relationship with them because a part of me is just like, I want them to get confident Good, I want them to go on a win streak. I want them to do that this year. You're scared to be hurt again.
4: No, not even scared <laughs> to be
3: hurt again. I just, I I want this team to make moves. I want there to because I think the guys who were threatened a little bit with their jobs, Casey Middlestad and Ukopekalugan in the name two, did well when pushed. When they were put into a corner of either figure it out or you're gone, they did really well. And we're also still sitting here kind of waiting to see if Tuck and Thompson are ever going to kind of figure it out this season. Cousins as well. And... I don't know. I mean, they're, they're winning three games without those guys really doing much. And, like, that'll be a thing, too. It's like, if they keep going, we'll see what happens. We'll see We'll see what happens. Do want to remind you to tune in all this week as WGR covers the NFL scouting combine from Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. And that is brought to you by Awaken 180 Weight Loss, fast, sustainable weight loss, and then free support for life, awaken180weightloss.com. And by Outlet Liquor, when you need to stock up, it's the place to buy a case. What's your outlet? Been very sabers heavy today. We took a few calls. Love to hear from the fans as always. But we do got to transition over to the combine, Josh. Mainly because I am so excited. It I was going to say, this is, is, is
4: like this is like Christmas for you, isn't it? Y- yeah, it's called. Actually,
3: no, no. This is more like Thanksgiving. Yeah, and then the draft, and then the draft, is, draft Christmas. is Christmas. Yeah. That's a good way to put it, actually. And they're about the same space it's apart. It's about the same space apart. It gets you excited for the other holiday. Mm hmm. You know there's problems with Thanksgiving when you're like, hey, no one really gets gifts. You kind of just show up to, like, your one relative's house. You eat good food. What's Halloween?
4: What the Senior the Bowl. What if oh, I guess if you're staying with the draft thing. <laughs> you yeah. staying with draft Because then it's like it's the Senior you Bowl. Get, you get these great nuggets every once in a while here and there at the Senior Bowl. Like, you get great candy every once in a while at Halloween.
3: Mm-hmm. And then there are some people that deeply hate it.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot of people that deeply hate Halloween. Yeah. Look at that.
3: I don't like Halloween at all. What? But so on the combine, and I've said it a lot of these last few weeks of just like it's a lot of nothing, but the little things we get I love. I'm here for the 40 times. I'm here to watch the athletic freaks that no one knew about, who's likely gonna be a third, fourth round pick, makes plays and you're just sitting there going, Okay, who are you? This was interesting. Like I I'm all for that stuff. What I truly like about it and even love. Is and I've and I've brought this up a lot. The rumor season that begins, you know, the fact that at the combine or slow or quickly following the combine, Justin Fields could be traded from the Bears, mm. and then to me, that's when you know the NFL offseason really begins. When we kind of know what's going to be going on in the draft, everyone's kind of got their game faces on, and we're heading into free agency. That's when it feels like it really starts for me. And of course, free agency comes before the draft, but with free agency, it's a lot of just quick fire you know everything's done in a day and then there's just and then there's like the slow you know afterthoughts that kind of get finished out the one two-year deals maybe there's a three year deal you know sometimes there's a bigger one in the after the first two days but usually it's all done fairly quick and don't get me wrong the salary cap news from friday was big the bills went from being about 55 million dollars over the cap to around 41 42 million dollars and they have yet to make a roster move that would kind of put them under which i'm like waiting with bated breath for the Bills to do anything in terms of, like,
4: cap relief. And they haven't done it yet. And I just feel like it's all going to be announced in, like, one day. So Yeah, Sunglasses Bean is just going to do it at, like, 3.30 in the morning on a Tuesday. And we're all going to wake up like, huh? And I won't be annoyed. It's just no, like I'm no, sitting here and I'm like, I, I'd kind of like to
3: have an idea of what they're going to do or, or what money they're going to have come free agency. right? Because it does look like now with that cap relief that came... I don't want to say came due, but just with the $30 million increase to the cap, all of a sudden the idea of like bringing back Daquan Jones and AJ Epinesa felt realistic. And Maybe even Leonard Floyd. Maybe even Leonard Floyd if you can get him on another one year deal. It just, it felt realistic depending on what they do. Right. You know, ultimately what probably happens, and I'd be just as fine with this, they don't have to kick the can down as much. They don't have to change as many contracts yeah. as they Maybe thought they were going to have to, but like New Orleans, already is fine, and they live in (laughs) cap hell every day. They just sit in the lava all day, and that's that's them. But like they got right to it, done. And I'm just looking at the Bills, and I'm like, all right, guys, can and and it's and it's nothing, and it's not a wrong way to do it. There's not a right way to do it for me. I'm just I'm just jittery. Like I'm like, can you? I want to know where where we stand come free agency.
4: Could part of it with the Bills too be? are they worried or not worried? Are they kind of wondering what the rest of the league is going to do here? Like, are they, are they almost like waiting it out just a little bit? Just like, do they have it all in place and they're just going to do it all on one day? Like you said, because they don't want to kind of show their hand. Like what if, what they're going to do in terms of restructuring shows their hand of like, Oh, they're clearing cap space to go get this guy or that guy. And I guess you could say that any year, Mm -hmm. but I wonder if there's just something different about this year where they don't really want to show that. Quite yet. I don't know. I mean, the, the only thing I've thought about is like, is how
3: radically different the wide receiver market looks in free agency. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you're the Bills, you're now looking at Kansas City, going, okay, they're probably going to draft somebody,
4: right? As well as they should be thinking the same thing about themselves.
3: Yeah, because ultimately, like T. Higgins got franchised. Now he could get traded. I very right. much expect that to happen. And then Mike Evans, who was who seemed like the big fish that was potentially going to hit the open market. Now a lot of reports from this weekend have it where he's actually going to be staying in Tampa, and they're really going to try to build around him and Baker for the next you know two or three years here, because Baker's also kind of looking crazy. to get a big deal as well. Yeah, I'm fine with it. I you know you're in a bad NFC South. Win now while you can. I get it. I um, I totally understand it.
4: So you think a lot of this is going to come out this week? And yeah, what? So with 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 the combine, in your opinion, mm-hmm. as like you know the draft guy here and everything, because I know you're very into it and everything like that. Mm-hmm. What? What should people not focus on in terms of like what the players do, what the prospects do, like because I know you said you're very into the 40 times and things like that. I mean, yeah, of course. What is there to, I mean, kind of stay away from? Like, oh, that guy didn't do very good there. It's like, well, I mean, like there's always the DK Metcalf compare or
3: or example where like him, he was a physical freak, and then he does the three cone drill, and everyone overreacts to it, Mm -hmm. even though it's like, well, yeah, Metcalf's a guy that's he's bigger than you. He's going to run in a damn near straight line and <laughs> right. like that's how he's going to dominate and he has he's been fine his entire career you know a lot of it too i don't really care how fast guys run at quarterbacks in terms of their 40 time you'll have the one right wide receiver drill the gauntlet where they they're just running in, in a straight line and they you know boom 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 and they're just catching it down the field yeah that's fine You're you're more looking how naturally they catch the ball i mean that's always something i look for like you know does it look difficult for them to make just routine catches or is it very are they are they very seamless about it you also want to just see like how athletic these guys are, you know, when they're doing the broad jump and stuff like that. Like how different do they look compared to everyone? Because that'll be something where like this guy may be from a small school, but is popping off, right? And is clearly a specimen. You're clearly going to be getting something special in these later rounds. Because I mean, like that's the thing for me too. Is like here I'm going to be watching. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to care what Brian Thomas Jr. and Troy Franklin and especially Adnai Mitchell run in the forty time. night's just because I'm a Texas fan. And his name's being brought up a lot in the first round. But for me, it's like as a Bills fan, I want speed. And if he runs on the four fives, I don't want to say he's out for me, because if he's there, I take him, but it's just like it doesn't add, I think, what the Bills desperately need on offense enough. Where if he runs in like the low four fours, I f- add his name to now it's a big <laughs> three of guys that I want them to get late in the first round. Yeah. But you know, again, like yeah, like just at the wide receiver position. But like I'm gonna look at a lot of guys like Ricky Pearsall. Malachi Corley, Ladd McConkney, like, what do these guys do? Because I'm also going to be looking now at at how long are we going to go here before these guys, before the wide receiver run does happen. And if Lad McConkney goes out there and runs in the low 4 4s, if Ricky Pearsall's a 4 3 guy, if Malachi Corley's a low 4 4 guy, that early second round might be violent in terms of just wide receiver after wide receiver after wide receiver after wide receiver. Well, that's where I wonder and too. That's, and that's where, for me, it'll be like, okay, the Bills may have to go round one. Just for the yeah. sheer fact that by sixty, you know, eighteen receivers could be taken.
4: Yeah, and I also wonder too, like, how much will guys like Pearsall and Corley rise up in that second round? Because mm-hmm. because it kind of depends on how many get taken in the first round and who all is left over. Because it's also. It's interesting to see, like, like who do you think is the biggest riser at the combine? Yeah, potentially oh. the biggest, riser. and that's and that's the thing
3: too. I mean, the DK Metcalf right. example again, yeah. because the moment after the combine, I think he went as high as like the fourth overall pick for some mock drafts, mm-hmm. where it was just like, no, no, he's like the greatest specimen we've ever seen at the wide receiver position, and and all that stuff. Yeah, but like that's yeah, that's the thing too. Is like you have the risers at the Senior Bowl, Malachi Corley, Ricky Pearsall, Lad McConkey, where those guys, right. it could be the same thing at the combine where it, they hit again, where it's just like, yeah, they're they're you know, they're strong, they're fast, they look natural, they're interviewing well. That, but that's also a thing that I pay attention to at the Combine, It's just what are we hearing out of Indianapolis? Mm-hmm. The big example of that last year was Anthony Richardson. And, yeah, and I remember that. that was, like, he was yeah. the big guy. And then the other one, Darnell Washington, the mm-hmm. tight end out of, the other tight end out of Georgia. Now we're seeing Brock Bowers come out this year. But those two were kind of like the main characters of last year's Combine. Richardson comes in and puts together one of the best workouts you've ever seen. He's got the Josh Allen-type arm. He's got his size. He's faster. He's raw. But you love what you're seeing from him. Like You love the idea of what Anthony Richardson can be. And then Darnell Washington is just the most physically freaky tight end you've ever seen. And it makes you wonder, like, how high is he going to go? I mean, I was somebody the last year. I thought Darnell Washington would have been a first-round pick sheerly for his athletic talent. He didn't do anything this year. Not a thing. Yeah, right. (laughs) He was a complete afterthought. But his athletic profile... You sat there and went, man, maybe he does go early. And that's going to be kind of the same thing. This is where you'll start to find out how NFL teams actually feel about guys, because right now we really don't know. Mm-hmm. We honestly don't know. Many of these teams already have their boards set. They can usually kind of figure out how fast these guys are, how strong they are, what have you, before we get to Indianapolis. But let's say Troy Franklin, perfect example, goes out there and runs like a 4-3-1. And, I mean, just burns the 40 yard yeah. dash. And then all of a sudden you see it's like, no, no, he's he's getting taken in the early teens. Like we're having four wide receivers lead the board early. That also probably tells you what NFL franchises were already thinking, which is no no, Franklin's speed and size is just too too much for teams to not go for. Brian Thomas, let's say he runs in the high four threes, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay, now he's different, and it's the same thing. Now he's being taken in the teens in these mock drafts by guys like Daniel Jeremiah that are talking to NFL scouts and GMs and getting a little bit more reading on what's going on then we can really it for me really figure out where this draft is going to go i am somebody i think only four maybe five receivers are being taken in the first round it's just too deep of a class but if all of a sudden we leave the combine and the report is no no it's too talented at the top for these guys to not for teams to not jump at these guys It's the reevaluation period, and that's what I love the most about the draft is just how radically it can change week to week, month to month, just based off the senior bowl or the combine or then eventually the pro days. And then you hear about these private private workouts they had. And, well, this team loves, I mean, a few years ago, Pittsburgh, it was like known they were taking Najee Harris in like the 20s. Because you just heard so much about how much they loved him. And they, that was just running away with it. We've talked a lot about, you know, Zach Wilson to the Jets a number of years ago at the number two overall pick. That's what I love so so much is just how much the draft analysis changes because you get a few rumors here or there, you get a few nuggets here and there. You really see how fast somebody actually is. And then it just all changes. And then you have to kind of you, you have to reshuffle the deck. Because you have you have a new image, and you have to kind of run with that. Absolutely love it. Do got to take a quick timeout here when we come back. Quick final segment before we get you off to Sabres Live, as Marty and Duffer will, of course, break down the Sabres 3-2 overtime win over the Carolina Hurricanes. And also, Josh, it's another big week for another thing. Another sport is starting up this weekend. We'll talk a little bit more about that after a quick timeout. Listen to the Northtown Automotive Extra Point Show right here on WGR. Happy Monday, everyone. Happy Combine Week. Our own Sal Capaccio is gonna be down in Indianapolis all week. As WGR's coverage of the NFL Scout and combine from Luke Soil Stadium in Indianapolis begins today and is brought to you by Awaken 180 Weight Loss, Fast Sustainable Weight Loss, then free support for life, awaken180weightloss.com. And by Outlet Liquor, when you need to stock up, it's the place to buy a case. What's your outlet? And Josh, do you know what else is happening this week? Shohei Otani's playing his first game for the Dodgers tomorrow. That is so mean of you to say. <laughs> that is just so mean of you to say. No, he but is. Yes, it is happening. Is hap- it is happening. It is tomorrow. happening. The Angels' average age, I swear to you, was like twenty-one and a half really? this year. They're a very, very young roster.
4: They also gave. Um, They're not
3: going to be good this year, but I kind of am okay with that. They I also just accepted it. Gave
4: Otani's number away to Hunter Dozier, random player. Love it. Random player. I've heard of his name before. Random player. Maybe not even make the team. Love it. Sweet. No,
3: but there is other things going on this week. That is the Formula One season is starting. Woo. We had testing this past weekend. Red Bull, no surprise, no surprise, was the fastest car, followed by, I believe, Ferrari, McLaren, Mercedes were all there. So it, it, it's you know pretty normal at the top. We get it. Uh, but it did feel a little bit closer. I don't know. I've read some rumors that there's a lot of pace left for the Red Bull car, which um, is horrifying. But... Race week is this week, and I, the only reason really I want to bring it up today is kind of as a program note, it is happening on Saturday, not Sunday. Mm-hmm. That is due to Ramadan being in Sunday. It is the Bahrain Grand Prix, so that, of course, is in the Middle East. That makes sense. And with that, we'll have practices on Thursday. Practice 1 and 2 will be on Thursday. Practice 3 will be Friday morning for them, followed then by qualifying, which will be around, I think, ten eleven in the morning our time, and then the race will be on Saturday that's going to be at 10 a.m. is when we'll have green lights there, and I just the I, the sport unbelievably frustrates me, mm-hmm. and I like it all the same. <laughs> like I'm I'm excited. I I gotta watch Drive to Survive this latest season. It came out on Friday last What's week. What's the
4: whole thing with Danica Patrick? Like why uh, is she she's part of it? She's covering it. But, now. but she started she, covering
3: Formula One last year, and now it's just kind of part of their their panel of experts. I've
4: just seen a lot of people like kind of like are like confused by the fact that she got added because of the fact that she never raced formula one
3: that is fair i can understand that because like that's what i've liked as much as like guys like will buxton just say like the most obvious stuff you're ever going to hear in your life yeah it is partially supposed to kind of ease americans into a very european dominant sport and i think that's why is danica patrick is known in american motorsport right and you just will be like oh danica patrick but the problem is it's season six there's not a random person just jumping in six seasons in and being like, oh, "I'm gonna watch this one." It's like, eh,
4: right. It's it's more so to kind of try to retain audiences. Probably, I think so. I think so. Yeah. It's fine. I have no real problems with it. No, I was just curious because I've been seeing a lot of people on on mm-hmm. you know Twitter and social media and all that stuff of like, "Hey, why is she just yeah, kind of genuinely confused jumping in here? This is weird."
3: Uh, and then I also do want to hit a college basketball story here, real quick. Duke's Kyle Filipowski uh, suffering knee injury following a court storming. Serious knee injury? Uh, I don't think so. Or at least no. all I know is it's a knee injury. Hmm. I don't think there's any been, anything been released any further. I mean, it was on Saturday, so you know there right. is still time there. But Wake Forest wins the game. Their fans storm the court. They beat the number one team in the na- or the, excuse me, the number eight team in the nation. They likely secured them spot in the NCAA tournament. So it was a huge win for Wake Forest. I don't love court stormings because you know this will be an issue. And I mainly don't love it because fans are idiots. Yeah, And I hate saying it like that. There's no other way I can say it other than fans are dumb. Because you saw in the video fans just in a dead sprint, not caring for anyone else at all. They just want to get to the middle of the court. And it happened a few months ago with Caitlin Clark of Iowa. Where not even. Just, it was a couple of weeks ago. A couple weeks ago, where she is just, just bulldozed over by a fan because they're not paying attention because they don't care, and it's because it's the opposing team, so they really don't care. And it was the same with Phil Powski. I know there was a there was a camera up top, that he looked like he was trying to chirp a fan. He's clearly trying to walk to get out of there, yeah. but what frustrates me is... Guys, fans were on the court before the game officially ended. There was actively no time for Pilipowski to get off the court in time, unless you're saying with 10 seconds left and they're down, I think, five or six at that point, leave now. And that's right. ridiculous. Yes, like that's, that's I, I'm crazy. not I'm not doing that. I do know the SEC as a conference I think is banned um court stormings. Doesn't matter, schools pay a fine. They don't care. And I love the imagery. I get it. But man is it frustrating. That's going to do it for us. Coming up next, Sabres Live as they break down the Sabres 3-2 win over Carolina. That's going to do it for us. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great rest of your day. You're listening to WGR.
1: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof?